0: following is a presentation of Cornerstone Bible Church in Virginia Beach. For more information on Cornerstone, as well as additional sermon downloads, please visit cbcvirginia.com. We will please turn to Colossians chapter 1. Thank you, Jared. We're excited to um, present him to you. Look forward to the first and uh, having an opportunity to talk about this as a church. Uh, listening to Jared's testimony there, he says something in the beginning about how um, he's still a sinful man and God continues to save him from sin. And that describes all of us, right? And and it's one of those things that I have tried to be very um, upfront with in relation to how people view the pastorate. I, I just, I generally don't like pastors. I tell that to people and they always like chuckle at that comment, but I'm like, no, you don't understand. I really don't. Like most pastors that I meet, because they have this aura about them, the sense that they're something special, and I'm like, maybe you guys are, but I know the four guys that are currently a cornerstone, and we're not, and Jared's not either. And it <laughs> reminded me of a, a funny story that Brian Loritz told at the Verge Conference, a conference in Austin, Texas, we went to a few weeks ago. He he was talking about an opportunity he had to go to this uh, church where this uh, elderly African American pastor was up and he was preaching and he said to his congregation, "He goes, before I came to Jesus, I used to cuss at the drop of a hat. He says, but since I've been saved, since I've been set free by the blood of Christ, I don't cuss that fast anymore. <laughs> I like dishonesty, you know." <laughs> Because that's kind of where I feel like sometimes. It's like I'm still the same guy I was, and the only thing that's changed is that Jesus has set us free, and he is continuing to save and continuing to change us. And we are still faulty men, but thankful for what God has done, and thankful for the gospel and its power in our lives. And Jordan, I don't have a clicker. And that's bad, because that's behind me. That's right. Never mind. I can't change things, so whenever I don't do things exactly the same way, I forget what we're doing here. You're you're in Colossians 1. We're going to read just two verses, familiar verses for us here at Cornerstone, and then go to the Lord in prayer, if you will. Just look at verses 28 and 29. Paul writes, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Bow your heads. Jesus, we thank you for the fact that you not just have died to save us from our sin, but you live forevermore to continually save us from our sins. Because even though we've come and we have accepted the gospel, we've placed our faith and our hope in you, and you have declared us holy and righteous and above reproach, we recognize that here in this body of flesh, we just continue to struggle. And so our hope is constantly being put back on you, not in ourselves and our righteousness, but on you. And I thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you that that your death was sufficient to pay for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And so today we gather as a group of of sinful, weak, foolish, base people, as Dave read earlier, all fully relying on you, no hope in anything else. And so, Lord, as we continue then to to push forward together in this gospel, to, to grow in it, to challenge one another in it, I pray, Lord, that you will continue to use this church here, not just with the people gathered in this room, but but throughout Hampton Roads and all the communities that we're a part of, to be able to reach more and more and more people with this good news of Jesus. And so we thank you for this time together. Pray that you would just remind us of some of these very basic, central truths of who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you were uh, here with us at the beginning of last year, then these are verses that you know very well because from in March and April of 2013, we took those full two months to go through a series that we called The Foundation and Future of Cornerstone. Just out of curiosity, how many of you were here for that series? Just put your hand up. Okay. And this is a good number. Are a good number that 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 weren't here as well. But the purpose of that series was to lay out a foundation of how we understand the church, specifically how we understand Cornerstone, and then also to lay out a vision for the future, kind of where we're headed, what we're doing, etc. And so over the course of those two months, we tried to do that or as best we could. And this is the the passage where we started when we began that series. And just trying to understand what is the purpose of the church. And I won't rehash how we came to this passage, but but this was the passage that God used really to crystallize it. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we focus on the things we focus on and spend time and energy and money on the different things? things that make up Cornerstone, it, it has to come back to this verse, to these two verses here. And I would just point out, as I, as I kind of just remind you of those truths, three little phrases here that I think are helpful. Number one is this phrase, of him we proclaim. It's simply the reminder that our mission as a church is to proclaim Jesus. As I, what I said a couple of weeks ago, that we're here for one name, and that name is not Cornerstone. We're here for one name, and that name is not Stacy Potts or Ed Hensler or Jordan Hiramans or anybody else. We are here for one name and one name only, and that's the name of Jesus. And so as we go forward as missionaries, as ministers of the gospel, we do it proclaiming the name of Christ, because that is the only name that matters. Why do we proclaim that name? Well, well, because we want to present everyone mature in Christ. And you notice that he says the word uses the word everyone three times there. We warn everyone, we teach everyone so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The goal is, is not limited to just a, a small few. Paul, as he he writes this as he thinks about his mission, his ministry, he thinks very broadly to everyone around him. And his his object, his purpose is to see them become mature in Christ. And this word mature here has to do with being like Christ, that they look like him, they think like him, they talk like him, they live like him, and that really encapsulates all that we do. So if we have unbelieving friends, neighbors, co-workers, et cetera, our goal is simply to proclaim Christ to them because we want them to look like Christ. We want them to see him for who he is, to place their faith in him, to be saved by him and for one another. In this room, in our community groups, and the friendships that we have here, our goal is exactly the same. We continue to proclaim Christ to one another because ultimately we want one another to look more and more like Jesus. And when everyone around us looks exactly like Christ does, guess what? Then we're done, right? But that's not going to happen, so we keep Busy. We. This is this is the purpose of the church to proclaim Christ so that everyone can become mature in Christ. They can look like Christ. And and Paul says then at the end, and I love this. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. And and you see the 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 the, the interplay here between what Paul is doing and his recognition that it's not really him. It's really what God is doing in him. What the Spirit is empowering through him. So Paul says, "Look, I toil, I struggle. It's hard work. It's what I do. I make plans. I execute the plans. I'm I'm going. I'm trying. I'm working. But it's it's God's energy. <laughs> it's not really mine. It's the it's the power, the energy that He is working through me as I do these things to proclaim Christ, so that I can present everyone mature in Him. And so so out of those two verses." Here's a a slide you haven't seen in a while. We had this purpose statement, right? That our purpose is to work with all the energy that God gives us to proclaim Christ to everyone around us, right? So that we can present everyone to God perfect in Christ Jesus. That's the purpose of Cornerstone. That's what we laid out back in March of last year. And I just would pause and... And make the observation as I say that that, and that we made this observation back then as well, that when you when you say this is your purpose, you're basically saying that our focus is on growth. But when churches say that, oftentimes I fear that what they are thinking about is numerical growth, right? They want to see more numbers, more attendees more offerings, like that's the kind of growth a lot of churches focus on, and we are we don't really like that. So the kind of growth that we're interested in is not number growth, it's gospel growth. Do you remember us talking about that last year? The, the growth of the gospel throughout Hampton Roads, because if the gospel is really going forth and we're really proclaiming Christ, well then guess what? More and more people are going to look like Christ, and and it's going to grow in that sense, whether cornerstone grows or not who cares cornerstone's name doesn't matter it's the name of jesus that matters and so if that's happening then we're, we're excited so that's the the growth that we're talking about here we want to see everyone around us come to look like christ and the question then for us simply was this was well how do we do this in this region that we call hampton roads right I mean, if this is our purpose, this is our goal, we need to be proclaiming Jesus so that more and more and more people can look like him. How do we go about doing this in Hampton Roads, in this region that is so weird? If, like, you're not from here, then you get it, right? Because all of us transplants come in and look at, we're like, this is a weird area. I've never seen anything like it. Because it's not really a region at all. It's really just a collection of pockets of, of like, many regions, all, like, tied together in a city called Virginia Beach or a city called Chesapeake in this area called Hampton Roads. And, and you know what I mean because if you live in if you live in Pungo, you don't care about Great Neck. If if you live in Ocean View, you don't care about Deep Creek. You live in Hilltop, Greenbrier means nothing to you. And yet we're all tied together in this thing we call Hampton Roads and so so how are we then in this specific context, in this specific part of the world that God has parked us in, how are we then to go out and proclaim Christ to everyone so that we can present everyone mature in Christ? That was the question. And, and to answer that question I showed you last year, and I'm going to re- simply remind you fairly quickly here of four models of ministry that we said we didn't think would work or work well, at least in this area. Number one was what we called the status quo model, and none of these model names, by the way, are real. We made them up, okay, just for most of them anyway. And in the status quo model, you know, here we are down here in our little corner of Hampton Roads, and the goal of the status quo model is to see nothing change, right? Because we've all seen churches that are like that, at least I think we probably all have. If you've been in churches any time in your life, you've seen one, believe me, okay? So, so if our goal is not to change, then what we want to do from a practical perspective is we want to put a wall up around us so that we're never seeking to, to reach the outside world, ever. We're not, we're not pursuing gospel growth. We're not pursuing the proclamation of Christ because we like our little kingdom and we want our little kingdom to stay put, And so we want to maintain the status quo at all costs. And I hope you get it just even from the way I'm describing it. This is an unbiblical model of ministry. Because any model of ministry that doesn't pursue the growth of the gospel is at its very core denying the gospel that saved it, that that, that they claim to proclaim. And so the status quo model is is not an option for us. We have to be pursuing the growth of the gospel throughout Hampton Roads. We can't just stay here and not not do anything number two and much more common in america is the bigger is better model and again nobody ever uses that phrase that's our phrase but we think it's helpful And, and in the bigger is better model you know here we are down in our little corner of hampton roads and the goal of that model is for us just to get as big as we can right here We want to stay here and keep bringing more and more people in here so that our numbers can keep going up and we can build more buildings and hire more staff and run more programs and everything's going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And eventually at some point, you've just got to like feed the beast, right? Because you're not even really worried about ministry anymore. You're just worried about trying to feed the beast, the mechanism, the organization that's been built around this thing. And as you can probably tell, I don't like this model. Uh, (laughs) I will say though, it's not necessarily all bad. There may be contexts where this works very well and, and can be used by God in very effective ways to reach a particular area. But but for us, as we look at it, we we recognize that one of the problems here is that the goal often changes somewhere along the way in this model to become the growth of the of the of the beast. Okay. You gotta feed the beast, keep the beast growing. That's that's the goal. And people in the process, they end up getting lost in the in the mix, individuals don't matter. They become numbers along the way. And we feel like in an area like Hampton Roads, it just doesn't effectively reach the pockets. How do you get the, reach the ocean view pocket when we're all the way down here? It's an hour away from here. How do you do that? How do we reach that part of Hampton Roads with the gospel? Well, this, this probably isn't our best option, and so we rejected that one. Number three is the church planning model. And again, just to illustrate it for you, you know, here we are down here. And this is a, a pretty common one. In fact, we're a product of this model. We were a church plant from Colonial Baptist Church back in ni- no 2001, whatever year. Sometime a long time ago, it feels like now. But 2001, we were planted here. And so we were a product of this model. So I'm not necessarily making fun of it. I just want you to understand it. In this model, the goal becomes to plant other little churches all around. So we plant Cobbleface. Remember that in uh, Kemsville? You can't read it, but... Uh, And we plant Table Saw Bible Church up in Hilltop. And if you don't get that joke, don't worry about it. Uh, So here I am. I'm the main teaching guy here. Broke out the bald picture again. Here I am. I'm the main teaching guy here. And Chris is over there. He's teaching at that church. And Ed, he's still rocking it out up in Hilltop. Still love that photo. Sorry, Ed. No, you're right. I'm not. But I love you anyway. You know the the goal or the the benefit of this model is it works for reaching the pockets, right? In an area like ours, you go out and you can plant these little churches in all these various pockets, and and you can reach the pockets by putting something there in those areas. And oftentimes this can can stay focused on the smaller side, which we think is beneficial. And again, in the area like ours where you people are coming and going, and you don't get to know them as well, and but but it can be hard because each church is on its own and. And we know what it's like. It's tough as you're starting and you're beginning, and, and and you don't have that support and that help. And so so this model, while it's certainly good and can be beneficial, and while we're, we are beneficiaries of it, may, maybe isn't the best. There's a fourth model that's often used. It's called the multi-site model. This has just been popular in the past 10, 15 years or so. And again, I'll illustrate it for you. So here we are over here. So we want, to, we want to grow. We want to reach more parts of Hampton Roads. And so we'll start a second location in Kimpsville, still Cornerstone, and a third location up in Hilltop, still, still Cornerstone. But in the multi-site model, of course, the, the big thing normally, this isn't always true, but normally, is that if I'm the main guy here, then I'm also the main guy here, and then, you know, there I am again, right? I'm, I'm everywhere, And if I can't physically be present at each of these locations, and if we have different times or places, then what's most often done is that you're piped in through a video feed, right? So you're only there at one spot, but you're being piped in by video somewhere else. And again, there's benefits here. It reaches the pockets. It can stay focused on the small. That's great. It's certainly easier because you have the, the resources of the larger church, even though they may meet in different locations. That's good as well. But quite frankly, we feel... One of the concerns here, and this is not true necessarily for every instance you see this, but just this is our concern with it: is How do you pastor a church from a video? <laughs> and, and 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 how do you do this without it becoming so focused on a man, on a personality that that everything begins to revolve around that individual? I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying these are concerns that we had. And so those were the common models that we looked at, you know, a year ago, a year and a half ago now. these, and, and, and as you look at them, they're not all, like, independent of one another. I hope you get that. Like, you could be a bigger is better kind of model and still want to go plant churches with the hope that they become bigger and better. Or you can pursue multi-site and be bigger is better. I mean, I, you, you can see all types of, 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 of these things. And at the end of the day, folks, models don't matter. You understand that? None of these models matter in and of themselves. And, and the only reason I share them with you is so you can see a little bit of our heart. That's the only reason we did this back then. Was so you could understand some of our thought processes. We're sitting there thinking, okay, Jesus, you've given us a mission. We have to proclaim Christ to Hampton Roads. We have to proclaim Christ to everyone around us because our goal, our mission, is to see all of these people in all of these pockets, Look like Jesus in the end. So if, if this is what we have to do how, do, how do we fulfill that purpose to the best of our ability, working, toiling, struggling with all the energy that God gives us here in Hampton Roads so that everyone can look like Jesus? And in the end, we chose a different approach, a little different anyway, the, something called the city parish model. You remember this? We don't talk about it much because it's just, it's nothing. But it's helpful for us as we've been thinking and planning and strategizing, looking to the future. It, it works like this. It's very simple. If Cornerstone is here, maybe Cornerstone can be there as well, and Cornerstone can be up here. But instead of it being focused on just a man, if I'm the main teacher here, then maybe Chris is the main teacher over there, and Ed can still be the main teacher up there. right? He can be rocking out up, up in Hilltop. We, we, we think the value of that model is that it can reach the pockets, it, it can stay focused on the small. We can have the benefits of still being one church, but but not be man-centered. It, we're already doing this, if you think about it. This is what community groups are. You realize that every week, every time you meet with your community group, you are being cornerstone in the Linhaven area, in the Deep Creek area, in the Great Neck area, in the Town Center area, in the Ocean Lakes area, in the... We we are we are cornerstone spread out throughout Hampton Roads in all of our various pockets. We're already doing this model, except that we don't meet in all those places on Sundays. We still ask you to drive all the way to, over here, and you're very gracious to do that, and we take that very very seriously. But this is where we we told you a year and a half ago we wanted to start heading, and so to to get there we said well we got to take some some steps. Remember that we had six. Uh, action items that came out of the end of that. Uh, number one was we needed to, to hire Jordan full time, and uh I, hear I put a big check mark by that one because we did it. All right, and I'll just pause. and Jordan, you're gonna have to hug me afterwards, so it's gonna be awkward. But you know, he's been on for about eight months now, and I can just say to you that I don't know how we ever functioned without him. I mean, he is aw. Thank you. Um, he he has been such a blessing to this church, and the, the difference between he and I is. I'm up front a lot, and so you see me a lot. And he obviously is up front leading worship, but then you don't see all the other things he does. But I'm telling you, in the past eight months, we have gotten more accomplished behind the scenes than we have done in six years prior. So bringing him on was a huge blessing, a huge step forward in making all of this vision happen for trying to reach Hampton Roads with the gospel. So we're super, super happy about that. Number two, we said we needed to reintroduce deacons. And so we did that earlier this year. I'll put a little check mark here because we just started, okay? So we're not quite there yet, but we brought on Isaac as our deacon of children's ministry. So here he is now serving the elders, serving you in this capacity. And again, it's been a huge blessing and we need, to, we need to do a little more of this and bring on some more helpers here and there in some various areas we've identified. Number three, we said we needed to call new elders. We hoped to get to that last year, did not. So this is the beginning step of that. So again, I'll put a a little check mark there and bringing uh, Jared on. But the fact of the matter is five guys can't pastor a church of 200 and something. We just can't because there's only so many people we can know. And if we're really going to pastor in a real way, like a personal way an effective way, we're going to continue to need more help. And so we're going to continue to bring on more men as God directs. Uh, Number four, we told you to prepare yourselves because we needed to consider two services and everybody was like, Oh, right. Um, and, and I get it. I understand. That's not fun. We did it at Easter, okay? Easter. How did Easter go for you guys? Yeah. yeah. It was weird, wasn't it? Meeting two services that, that day. We. I'm glad we did. We think it's hard to tell when you had some people kind of doubling up and they worked one and came to the other, but if we, we tried to kind of weed that out, and we had over 260. We're, we're pretty sure about that. We don't know the full number. It would have been Really, really difficult to do that in this building, particularly in the kids' area. That's where we really were hurting because there, as you know, are three million children who are in this. We had three babies in two weeks, folks. Three babies in two weeks, and there's like, I don't know how many more coming. I, it's just, what do you do with it? You know, you thank God for it, right? That's all you do. You thank God. We're so happy. I hope it continues. I'm not planning to help, but I, I hope it continues. Um, I, I, we're thankful, but you know, there's, there's some realities that we also need to take into, to, uh, to account. But as we were thinking about this, even a year and a half ago, we were saying to ourselves, well, if we do this, here's two things that we would not do it for. Number one, we wouldn't do it out of just sheer convenience. Like we're not trying to just make more options because we're trying to be more convenient for people's schedules. A lot of churches do that. I'm not saying that's a terrible idea. I, I'll let them them decide what that you know that for themselves, but just for us, eh, not really who we are. We like to inconvenience people. That's what we're about here, okay? Inconveniencing you. Uh we didn't want to do it to just make a convenience thing for folks so they can come to whatever works best for them, nor were we wanting to do it just for sheer comfort. Okay. Like, you know, that way you can have some more leg room and not as many kids in different classrooms though. Easter showed us that that probably was necessary to do it for, for comfort's sake as well because otherwise we might have had some problems. No, we really wanted to do it out of this conviction that if we're going to reach Hampton Roads with the gospel, then we need to start training ourselves. We need to start preparing ourselves to go forward along those lines and to, to see how we can break ourselves up so that eventually we can send a, another group over here to reach this pocket with the gospel. And so that's the reason we would pursue that. And so we've been continuing to think about it. We're continuing to think about it now. And I don't have like a big announcement for you today. I'm just was sharing with you kind of the heart in that and saying that's still front and center. And if God would make all the dominoes fall the right way, I'd love to start that in the fall. Don't get worried yet. I, I don't know that that's gonna happen, but that would be helpful, I think, and good. I think it's the next logical step. If we're gonna reach out into Hampton Roads, we gotta go this direction. So to that end, this is where all this was going, okay? To that end. Um, also on the June 1st members' meeting, we wanted to put a slight change to our budget. The budget? What does that have to do with two services? Let me explain. We want to do a slight change to our budget. We told you at the beginning of the year that uh, our m- health expenses, mine and Jordan's medical insurance doctor deductu- or expenses were going like ridiculously up because of the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, right? was like it killed killed our premiums, and we knew at some point this year the old ones we had that were supposedly cheaper are going to go up even more, so we 've been working over the last few months trying to find what are our options and because of a weird little loophole glitch, not a glitch i shouldn 't use that word in relation to this conversation uh, <laughs> In in relation to something that I don't think was expected, pastors have an unusual opportunity to benefit from the Affordable Care Act in that they don't count our housing allowance when they look at your, your tax information for how they pick it. And so it appears, based on everything we've talked about through insurance people and accountants and others, that Jordan and I could actually get better insurance for almost free if you guys drop our insurance. I know that makes zero sense and we're with you, that that makes zero sense. But it actually would probably be better for both us and the church if you guys quit giving us health insurance. Um, We can talk more about that later. I know it's weird. Believe me, it took us a while to work through that as well. So Jordan and I want you to drop us. Not fire us. (laughs) Drop us from health insurance coverage. That's going to save the church about a little over $8,000 just this year, if not more, because we don't know in October what our new rates would be, but at least $8,000 this year. And so we were thinking, what could we do with $8,000? Well, we have a a desire that we're going to put forward to you here. We want to bring Chris on part-time, 10 hours a week, kind of like what we had with Jordan beforehand, and he would do three things for us. Number one, he would take over leading worship. Okay, Jordan's no good at it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you got amen on that one, sorry. <laughs> okay, back to uh, the, Jordan's done a great job. We're so thankful for him. I've, I was totally being sarcastic, which he knows and you do as well. But uh, we, we want to free Jordan up to work on some other things, give him more time in his week. And Chris, who is musical, plays instruments, he wouldn't just have to stand here like this. We were going to give Jordan a tambourine just so he had something to do. <laughs> that 's been joked about for months now. Uh, Chris, we think would be a very natural fit leading worship up here and leading all those components of our music and, and and he has a real passion for that anyway, and so he would take over those responsibilities. Number two, he would begin helping with preaching responsibilities, so maybe every four, five, six Sundays he would preach, and i wouldn 't. He would continue preaching with me through Mark. We would work this together. But you think about it, if we go to two services, the uh, demands on preaching are going to increase by double. double. So <laughs> we're going we're gonna to need some, some help. And also in the future, if, if um, I don't know for sure that that's what God would have, but if God would have Chris lead out another group into another area, then he needs some time to learn. Time that I didn't get that you guys had to suffer through for like the first three years of me learning how to preach. We can give him a, an opportunity to do that in advance. And then number three, he would help with some people things in ministering, discipling, et cetera, as well as a few administrative stuff, but that would be very minimal. His main task would be worship and preaching. Give him an opportunity to learn. Give him an opportunity to grow. Give us as a church an opportunity to grow in these areas. We think it would be a great, great use of the funds. I'm gonna put all this on cobblestone so you can see all the numbers, everything tomorrow. Uh, you'll see it there if you're on cobblestone. If you're not, let me know and we'll get you on. But, But this is what we would like to do. So you'll see all the changes. Take a look at them. If you have questions, let us know. If we're ever going to go to that model, we're going to have to take some steps. And this is a little one we can take now that we think will have real blessing for us uh, as we do that. Number five, we need to fill all the service needs. I gave a little check mark. See it? We're we're still considering. So we're working that way. Uh, number five, filling all the service needs. That's a continual thing that will never stop. And if you're not in children's ministry, sign up with Isaac today. Uh, number six, we need to continue working on our community groups. And if you're in a community group, I'll give it a, a medium check mark again here. Um, you've already seen changes over the past year. I know our group has just benefited greatly from stuff that Jordan has worked with us on, helping me as a, a community group leader try to lead better. And our group's benefiting. I hope yours is as well. So th- this, this is where we're at, okay? I just wanted to go over all that stuff we talked about to remind you of what we're doing here, of why we're here, why we meet. It's not just to be a spiritual service provider so you feel like you got your weekly sermon and and you sung a couple songs and now you feel better about yourself. We're here as ministers of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a whole bunch of other things. We're missionaries here in Hampton Roads. We are ambassadors for Jesus going out telling the world you can be reconciled with God. This is who we are. And we can't just sit here. We can't just sit still. We've got to be moving. We've got to be active. We've got to be going, toiling with all the energy God gives us. Always remembering the words of Jesus here in Matthew 16. I give you this and I'm done. That Jesus is the one who built his church, right? Our plans are nothing. They're less than nothing. And we might try all this stuff and you know what? It'd be a complete failure. You know what? Who cares? At least we were trying at least we were toiling, at least we were struggling with all the energy that God was giving us. I would rather fail trying to do something great for God than succeed at doing nothing. I just, I hope you feel that way as well, that your heart is to go out and do what we can do to reach Hampton Roads with the gospel. And as he's willing to use us, then we continue to work with all the energy he gives us to proclaim Christ to everyone so that everyone can be perfect in Christ Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I come to you now just in recognition that we are nothing. Just, that is what we have to end with, this this statement of humility that apart from you, we're nothing. And all the the most well-thought-out plans of man pale in comparison to your eternal plan. And so, Lord, we 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 come now, and regardless of, of what you choose to do with us, we just say to you, we want to be used. I, I, we don't even care how. If all we ever do is just reach a very, very small, po- one pocket of Hampton Roads, then that is enough if that is what you have planned for us. Help us to do it with all the power you give us. But, Lord, if, if you would be willing to use us, then we present ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you and say we want to... We want to do this. We want to, to work and to strive and to toil and to take the, the pain and, and the struggle if, in fact, it will advance your kingdom. And more and more and more people around us will begin to look like Christ. Thank you for all the opportunities that you have given us. And all I, I just hear week after week after week the, the relationships, the neighbors that people are talking to, the, the friends, the the coworkers, all the stuff that... Lord, that's not us. None of those are, are accidents. You have planned them all. And Lord, I pray that you will just simply help us to be faithful ministers of Jesus Christ, proclaiming him faithfully, truly, and clearly to those around us. And then may you come in and do the part that we can't. We're not trying to get people to just assign the dotted line so that we can have trophies on our shelves, Lord. You have to come in and open their eyes to truth and help them believe so that they can be saved. God, will you do that? Will you show yourself powerful to us as you save those around us and add to our number as we are gathered and scattered here in Hampton Roads? And so God, today is a reminder. It's a reminder that you are in charge. And I pray, Lord, that as we go forward, We will go forward in the confidence that not only are you in charge, but you have all authority, and we are going in your place. And so thank you, Lord, for today and what it represents. Thank you for Jared. Pray that you will bless him, help him to grow, help our church to have wisdom as we decide whether or not we call him as one of our pastors. Lord, we we want to continue to see the growth of Cornerstone, not in numbers, but in faithfulness and Christlikeness. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done here in your name.